once we've worked out what works, why don't we keep doing it? What, why is it like, you know, such a surprise? You know, find out what works and do it lots of times. That's it, that is the recipe. Hey, welcome to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful with expert interviews, rapid relaxers, and excellent resources. I'm Jordan Friedman. We all want to be productive and reach our goals, right? I find that setting goals is pretty easy, but it's the getting to the goals or the productivity part that can be frustrating and stressful. At first, you can be really excited about a goal and think, yeah, I can do this, but then not too much time passes and you start to get mired in the muck of other responsibilities and distractions and self-doubt and fatigue. Well, you get tripped up by life. One of the reasons for this productivity logjam could be that we don't spend nearly enough time thinking about how to match who we are and what we want with the ways that we work, study, and reach goals. Nor do we spend enough time orchestrating and managing ourselves so that we'll be more productive, sometimes way more productive. Well, Dr. Natalie Lancer is in the Chill Factory to talk us through how to be smarter about ourselves and our work activities so that we can more successfully reach our goals and enjoy the process of doing so. She calls it Chill Productivity. Natalie is a chartered coaching psychologist, coach, coach supervisor, academic, writer, and speaker. She's a trustee of the British Psychological Society and chair of their Division of Coaching Psychology. She also hosts the Division's podcast. Natalie has published a number of papers, including articles on the Eight Tensions Framework, which is the core of her Guts and Goals and Smarter Supervision programs. Natalie and I talk a bit about her Eight Tensions Framework, and I encourage you to take a look at it in the show notes because it's a really rich guide for how to be more productive and, frankly, how to live a less stressful, more satisfying life. Taking breaks also comes up during our discussion, and stay tuned to the end of the conversation because I have some cool stats and research to help you maximize this simple but powerful stress reducer. I started off by asking Natalie what a productivity coaching psychologist does. I help people get more structure in their lives so that they can achieve the things they want to achieve. Often they've had things they're very aware that they want to do. They may have wanted to do them for years, but they haven't quite managed to get round to it or they don't know how to do it. It feels too overwhelming, too mammoth a task. And it's often because the don't know how to do this task whilst doing their everyday normal life as well. And what would be some examples of these things that people want to get done, people who you work with? Write a book, get a, a dissertation done, maybe some further study that they'd been putting off but they know they really want to do. It might be setting up a business, like an online business, designing a course. It might be clearing out a room that they've been just hoping will clear itself up Mary Poppins style you know clicking your fingers <laughs> I do that in my lounge sometimes it doesn't work um so just something that like feels significant to somebody um it might even be things like exercise um that they want to get some exercise in their life every day but it's like how do you shove it in and you know our lives are packed we're exhausted so how do you do it well you, you need a bit of help 
In your work and research, you talk a lot about growth, and you define growth as a better liver of life. First, I absolutely love that, and I'm not completely sure what it means. So uh, could you talk about that a little bit more? I feel very nervous when when there are other people imposing what a good life is but what I do know is this is that as we get older as we as we get wiser and as we have more experiences and as we process those experiences and learn something useful from them what we do is we become better at living life getting more from life in in whatever that means it might mean spending less time with people we don't want to be with it might mean knowing that we want to write a book and actually doing it, just to use that example. You created something called the Eight Tensions Framework. These are life-encompassing, work-encompassing ideas. However, uh, we unfortunately don't have a lifetime on the show to talk about them, and we are here to focus on chill productivity, which is a term that you mentioned when we were first talking about this interview. And I know that one of the tensions that you mentioned really connects with this idea of chill productivity, and that's treading water and pushing forward. So can you talk a little bit more about how that tension connects with chill productivity, maybe what you mean by chill productivity, because it sounds really nice. Yeah. People ask me, how am I so productive when all I do is sleep? So I am the nap queen and I'm always asleep and, and yet I achieve, I've, I've, I've written lots of books, I've got a doctorate, I'm, I'm a practicing psychologist and the answer is it's this chill productivity piece. So I'm pleased to say I'm not the only person who believes in naps. I mean, apart from the whole of like Spanish society who obviously believe in siestas, but there's also famously Thomas Edison of light bulb fame he realized that when you wake up from a nap you're really creative and so he used to go to sleep at multiple times in the day um, holding a ball bearing and when he would fall asleep the ball bearing would drop and he would have on his lap a um, metal plate so it would make a clanging sound which would wake him up and then he would be in that state of just waking up and that's when he'd have his best ideas what I find really interesting about that story is how he he milked it right he wasn't just like oh that's interesting you know when I when I wake up I've got good ideas he's like right hang on when I get up, I have good ideas. I'm going to do this 20 times a day. So what I think that we don't do as, you know, regular people very often is once we've worked out what works, why don't we keep doing it? What, why is it like, you know, such a surprise? You know, find out what works and do it lots of times. That's it. That is the recipe. <laughs> what we need to understand is, is that pushing ourselves throughout the day and keep going, keep going, without breaks, without naps, is is counterproductive. So we think, oh, I'll just do another half hour or, or something like that, not realising that if we slept for half an hour, we would actually wake up and be able to do another hour, thereby gaining half an hour. So th this is very simple maths, but even when presented with the facts of these sorts of things, it's easy to feel guilty. So 
for me, there are things you can do to help yourself be productive and to make the most of the time when when we're awake so it doesn't feel too painful. So one of the things is to work out when you are most productive in terms of the time of day. So I always say that I am crepuscular, which is what rabbits are. So rabbits are awake, dawn and dusk. And like a rabbit, I'm pretty productive between the hours of 7am and 9am, and probably again between 6pm and 8pm, which is four hours. I have my own business, so I don't need to work the core hours from from nine till five. So first of all, if you're lucky enough to work for yourself and you don't have to follow, you know, society's hours of nine till five, then I think it's important to work out when do you work best and stop trying to work when you are half asleep. The other thing is what bites of time we should be working in you know should we be working in a four hour clump of time or should we be working in half hour sections of time or what is the answer now basically we cannot concentrate for more than an hour and a half that's a fact I can actually only concentrate for about 25 minutes so it's pretty lucky that this podcast is only going to be 18 minutes (laughs) Um, (laughs) because you won't be getting the best of me otherwise so after 25 minutes I have a break. So what this means is, is as a psychologist, you may be familiar that, you know, most people see clients for about an hour or in fact, the magic 50 minutes for a therapist. And actually, we don't we don't need to meet people for 50 minutes. We don't need to have meetings for an hour. We can have our own times. So I often, in fact, invariably, my client meetings are for half an hour, not an hour. And we get lots of stuff done in that half an hour but I might see them more frequently I might see people weekly or even twice a week but for half an hour at a time and then of course I will go and have a break and probably a nap and I schedule in my exercise I schedule in lunch relaxation time and reading time everything is on my schedule So what I find is by using these small amounts of time, like 25 minutes, which a lot of your listeners will know is the same as the Pomodoro technique, which I'm a big fan of, that's how I get the best of my day. Now I'm just going to show you a visual here, Now I appreciate that um, this is audio, but I've drawn a little picture of a wall. And one of the things I encourage people to do, and this is strangely therapeutic despite its simplicity, is that for every 25 minute block or half hour block or whatever the block is, you've got to do some work and work out what is your time period. I get them to colour in how many they do in a day, but you have to decide how many you're going to do. I advise everybody to plan their week on the Sunday, on the Sunday before I have like a Sunday planning session. And it might be that I have to do five of these blocks per day Monday to Friday in order to do what I need to get done that week and so I encourage people to literally colour in on the wall and then they send me a little photograph of their wall coloured in day by day it's so nice to have the whole wall coloured in so once you've got your like week's wall coloured in you feel really good and again you know such a small intervention it's a bit like the the breathing techniques you teach Jordan a very easy intervention but a a highly effective one so chill productivity is saying you know what you've committed to do five bricks a day for a week you don't need to do six there's no prizes for doing seven or eight do five you're done after that then go and watch Netflix and enjoy (laughs) yourself so when you're doing your work you're doing your work you're ticking it off you're doing it at the best time of day for you you're doing it in a time period that is 
you're most energetic and when you're not doing your work you're absolutely not thinking about your work and you're doing something else that's extremely enjoyable and you're really enjoying it that's chill productivity is there a danger in too much self-examination too much going back and looking at the tensions of your framework that we are focused on i i i've got to say that i hear a British voice in my head sometimes saying to me when I'm very involved in this self-examination or what should I do next or maybe I did too much of that, especially where my business is concerned, I hear that British voice going, just carry on, carry on. In other words, just do it. Just stop with all of the self-examination, the self-reflection, the uh, you know figuring out who you are and just do what needs to get done. I do hear that argument in the world, as I'm sure you do. I am that argument in the world. I'm not a fan of navel-gazing, and we'll never work out who we are, so don't bother trying. This is an entirely practical exercise. But just to give you an example here, it's like, right, what conferences are going on in my field? Can I make some more connections on LinkedIn with people who are doing what I'm interested in? Can I host a webinar talking about this event and see what sort of people it attracts or something like that? So I think we should be doing very practical things. Um, And my focus is very much on the practicality. And I wasn't saying the British voice was you. (laughs) I was just saying I'm stereotyping Brits and their carry-on attitude, which can, of course, be beneficial. Well, I like the phrase taking stock because it sounds quite a practical sort of shopkeeping thing to do, doesn't it? So we do sometimes need to reset and check in with what we're doing. We're very used to that, of course, at the start of the year, but we're less used to that at other times in the year. It's not every day that we get to hang out with a performance and productivity coaching psychologist. So... Do you have any favorite tips or strategies that you found in your experience or your experience working with others really help people to be more chill, more productive, uh, to reach their, uh, reach their goals as a way of uh, inspiring and motivating people to do so? Sure. I've got loads. One of them is to rename the task with a word that you prefer rather than the scary term. So I'm going to use the word writing as an example because I often help people with their writing. I don't think we should be calling writing writing. It's just an off-putting word. So first of all, if you think about what writing comprises, um, you probably need to do um, some gathering of different ideas, which is something I call magpieing, like stealing different ideas. And Oh, that's interesting, that's interesting, like that. Um, writing some sloppy stuff on a page, um, grouping stuff together that looks like it should go together, putting some headings in, doing a bit of editing and doing a bit of polishing, right? I haven't used the word writing once. So the first thing I would say is whatever it is you have to do, um, I would divide it up into the stages of the process and refer to what you have to do by the different names of the stages thus what you're doing is not some monolithic huge piece of work but it's only in inverted commas you know 
reading that paper, um, editing that page, rather than writing in capital letters. And this works for all sorts, this works with tax returns. You know, you can you can put this onto anything. So that's the, the first thing. I mentioned earlier today about um, my Sunday evening planning. I mean, I do like a good plan on a Sunday. Um, so I sit down with my cup of tea, because you may not know I'm a tea aficionado. Um, of course, I'm British, but I really am. And I make sure that I write down what I'm doing in the week and that's literally copying from my calendar um, and putting it on paper and that somehow just gets it into my brain and I think this the third thing I'd share is this thing that I said earlier about making sure that you schedule everything including lunch including naps including checking your email because this means that we're doing everything very deliberately but you know if you are scheduling a time to check your email it probably means that you're not checking your email on other times or you're less likely to check your email at other times because you know you've got an allocated slot so it might be you have like a 7 a.m email slot and a 4pm email slot for example and the same with uh, I think sort of spending quality time with family members you know people often say to me when I'm with my children I'm angsting about a bit of work I've got to do and when I'm working I'm angsting about not being with my children but if it's all in the diary and you know I'm doing half an hour reading with my child or making cookies with my child at this time or watching tv or whatever it is you, you suddenly don't angst about it so much because you know it's allocated in the diary so it's back to the planning and allocating absolutely everything you can into your diary. Wow the email tip I have my email open on my computer and I'll be writing something or working on something else and I'll just see out of the corner of my eye that I get a new email and I'll then go to my email. The idea of only checking email at 7 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. or whatever is um, earth-moving, frankly, to me. But as you said before, construct it so that it works for you, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be what Natalie does or yeah. what Jordan does, but what's going to work and what, you know, what will help you in a way that you're not being helped right now. Exactly. So making some deliberate choices, but also being very willing to be flexible with them. So this is all about finding what works for you. So maybe... If you're someone who loves to check email all the time and, uh, you know, we we all, it's designed to be checked all the time, right? You know, like the dopamine hit you get when you hear a ding on your email, it's, it's all designed to pull you in. That's the whole point of all these things. So if you want to schedule in five times a day checking your email, that's fine. So shed, schedule in five lots of checking your email. Don't, don't check it in between. And then if you say to yourself, you know, that worked pretty well, maybe I'll just do four tomorrow. Okay, try that. And it's the same going back to the wall, which right, we now understand I'm obsessed with the wall. Um, you know, so people say to me, like, I'm, I, people come to me and they're like, I've got this thing to do. I've got this project to do. I literally can't get out of bed to do anything. I said, that's fine. All I want you to do tomorrow is 25 minutes. That's it. You're not allowed to do more. 25 minutes. I only want to see one coloured in. 
do you think you can do that yeah so they take a picture they send it to me blah 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 next day i want to see two and you build it up slowly you can't make massive changes very quickly but what we can do is we can build it up slowly and this is absolute magic so i can get anyone who's completely sloth like to being like you know some sort of turbocharged machine in three weeks Natalie Lancer, coaching psychologist, thank you so much for this delightful, helpful conversation and for coming by the Chill Factory. I fear that we have gone into your nap time, so I apologize about that. Don't worry, I'll catch up on some naps a bit later on. (laughs) Natalie Lancer is a productivity coaching psychologist, and there's a lot more about her in the show notes, as well as some of her resources to help you get where you want to go and enjoy it. Natalie mentioned taking breaks during our conversation, and I recently read an article in the New York Times called How to Tell If Your Brain Needs a Break. It could also be called Everything You've Always Wanted to Know About Breaks, and I thought I'd mention a couple of the ideas and stats and research findings in the piece because taking breaks is one of the top stress and anxiety reduction recommendations I make. First, generally 5 to 15 minute breaks generated the positive benefits that are talked about in the article. One of the researchers said that the brain is like a muscle and you wouldn't lift weights all day without a break, so why would you use your brain all day without a break? A 2022 study found that even short breaks reduce mental fatigue and increase vigor. And the longer the break, the bigger the boost to performance, especially with creative activities as opposed to solving math problems. When we're focused, our brains naturally screen out distractions. But when we're not focused, we get distracted and our minds wander. And that should be a sign to take a break. We can think of our brains as having two areas, and in the first area is where the focusing happens. The second area is where we're unfocused or just daydreaming, and that's where ideas are often born and solutions bubble up. It's also why you hear people saying that they come up with their best ideas in the shower or when they're waking up. If your work requires you to multitask, you probably need more breaks. Most of our attention spans peak at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m., with the biggest drop happening after lunch. And last but not least, the kind of break we're talking about here is not checking your email or scrolling through social media, because those activities can easily generate stress. And this is a great opportunity to quickly tell you about the Chill Factory app, which is a break machine. For example, there's a feature called Instacom, which has photos that you can fill your screen with, and you can simply look at them, and that would be considered a break. And of course, we have lots of relaxation tracks in the Sonic Spa, including environmental sounds. Again, the perfect way to take a break if you can't get outside. 
The Chill Factory app is a great companion to the Chill Factory podcast, and you can get it by downloading it from the App Store or Google Play. And when prompted, just enter the password productivity. If you're one of the first 25 to do so, you'll get to use all of the app's features for free for one year from the original post date of this episode. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow The Chill Factory wherever you listen to your podcast so you'll know when new episodes are available. And there's always more at thechillfactory.net. And as Thomas Edison said, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. <laughs>